0: So again, our text today is John chapter 12, verses 37 through 50. This is the word of Almighty God. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I've come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Pray with me, friends, Lord. As we've sung, You're worthy. As we've gathered, we desire to hear from You and Your Word. We desire to be challenged by You. God, we will confess to You we are frail, we are prone to wander. We are easily tempted. And there's not a single thing that we can do this day, Lord, that will amount to anything apart from you and your grace. So, Father, we pray that you will draw us close, hold us near, turn our hearts, battle down our sin. Help us rest in the grace of Jesus Christ and the new identity granted us in him. Fill us with your spirit and lead us by your word that we might see great, great things done. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. In Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In Psalm 14.1, we learn that the fool says in his heart there is no God. David prays in Psalm 19.14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. After sinning with Bathsheba, David prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me in Psalm 51.10. The heart matters. The real you inside of you matters. Your disposition toward God and the things of God matters. What kind of heart do you have? What kind of heart do you have as concerns the things of God? Do you have a hard heart? Do you have a divided heart? Do you have a soft heart? Over the past three Sundays, we've been looking at one single event in the life of Jesus during his time in Jerusalem, the week before his crucifixion. We call it the Passion Week. John writes differently than the other gospel writers. John doesn't focus us much on that week. In comparison, Matthew, you get five chapters from Palm Sunday to the arrest in the garden. John, in less than one chapter, he describes to us Jesus' entry into Jerusalem and the moment when Jesus announces that his hour has come. It, it's, it's wild to see. You read Matthew 19 to 25, you get the week before Jesus has the upper room experience and his arrest. In John, you get it in, what, verses 11 to 36 of this one chapter. But, John's going to slow the narrative down considerably here. After this day, he will focus us for five full chapters on the evening that Jesus spent with the disciples before his betrayal. In verse 36, John tells us, after Jesus taught the crowd one last time, He withdrew himself. Jesus left the stage. So verse 36 of John 12 probably wraps up the the ministry of Jesus in Jerusalem Tuesday of the Passion Week. But before John gives us the scene in the upper room on the night of Jesus' betrayal, he gives us what we see today, a brief summary of, I would say, the whole first 12 chapters of this gospel, the first half. And in this summary we see the three kinds of hearts that we might have toward God. Hard hearts, divided hearts, soft hearts. Let's see those hearts. Let's find three points in today's passage. Point number one, guard against a hard heart. Guard against a hard heart. Listen to 37 through 41. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. As John wraps up this first half of his writing of the gospel, he offers an evaluation of the response of the Jews to Jesus and it's not a favorable evaluation. Though Jesus performed many signs in front of the Jews, signs that should have been convincing to any sane observer, the Jews didn't believe. Do you recall... John has chosen to share with us a set of seven signs that the Savior performed to testify to his identity as God the Son. What did he do? Jesus turned water to wine at a wedding in John chapter 2. He healed a man's servant with a word from miles away in chapter 4. He healed a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years in chapter 5. He fed the crowd of 5,000 using only five loaves and two fish. And then he walked on water, both in chapter 6. He gave sight to a man born blind in chapter 9 and brought Lazarus back from the dead in chapter 11. Besides those miracles, John makes reference to other signs that Jesus performed that John said he chose not to include in this account, probably because the other gospel writers had them covered. Wouldn't, Wouldn't you assume that if people saw miracles like these, those people would believe in Jesus? But this was not so in the case of the Jews. Why do people not believe? You ever ask yourself that? The issue here is not one of proof or evidence. It never is. You understand that this is not about evidence, don't you? Jesus did enough to prove himself several times over. But if a person is unwilling to accept who Jesus is, that person will always look for and find an excuse to be closed off. To Jesus. In Luke 16. Jesus tells us of. A rich man. And a guy named Lazarus. And Abraham. And Jesus said. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets. The Old Testament scriptures. If they don't hear the scriptures. Neither will they be convinced. If someone should rise from the dead. Luke 16.31. Question. If the people didn't believe, if they didn't believe after three years of the public ministry of the Savior, did Jesus fail at his mission? No. We know better. Jesus is God the Son. Can I tell you something? God doesn't fail, God's plans are never thwarted psalm one fifteen three says our god is in the heavens he does all that he pleases and let me ask you church is that true yes. then god doesn't fail why then would jesus the messiah be rejected by his own people Why would Jesus, as John says in the prologue of this book, come to his own and his own not receive him? Well, to help us understand, John cites two passages from the Old Testament book of Isaiah showing that the hard-heartedness of the people was predicted by the prophet centuries earlier. You guys know Isaiah 53, right? What's Isaiah 53 about? Someone tell me. The suffering servant. That's right. But at the beginning of of Isaiah 53, John takes a quote here in Isaiah. uh, he, He applies what Isaiah says. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Before Isaiah describes the suffering servant of God, the servant who will bear the guilt and the sins of other people, he asks, who in the world has believed this? God knew. God knew that the coming of his son to be a suffering servant before coming as a conquering king. That would be unbelievable to many people. Then in verse 39, John cites Isaiah 6. When you hear Isaiah 6, what do you think of? What's that? The call of Isaiah. Isaiah. Good. What else is in Isaiah 6? Holy, holy, holy. They're both there, right? Isaiah 6 is the holy, holy, holy chapter. God calls Isaiah, sends Isaiah to preach to the people. Who will go for us? But do you also recall that God warned Isaiah that Isaiah would preach and preach and preach and the people would not believe? Listen to Isaiah 6 verses 9 to 13. And he said, go and say to these people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, The prophet was called to glorify God by preaching the truth to a people with hard hearts, blind eyes, and dull ears. And the people would have the truth, but they would refuse to repent. And that would foreshadow the coming of God's promised one, who would be rejected by the Jews and accomplish the salvation of the nations, all nations, including people from Israel. So who's the one in charge here? Is it God or the people? Clearly, John John wants you to know God's in charge. God is fulfilling everything he predicted he would do. God's doing what God planned. Jesus didn't fail in his ministry. No, it is to the glory of Jesus that the Jews did not believe at this time, even though Jesus had done so much to prove himself to them. It would cause the accomplishing of Jesus's mission that the Jews would reject him and seek to put him to death. This is how Jesus went to the cross. Now, how do we deal with the issue of hardened hearts? In scripture, what do we see? We see that men harden their own hearts. And we see that God hardens men's hearts. Think about Pharaoh back in Exodus. What happened? Did Pharaoh harden his heart or did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Yes. Exodus 4.21 says... The Lord said to Moses, "When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power, but I will harden His heart, so that he will not let the people go." But in Exodus 8:14, 8, 8:15, 8, but when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. What happened? I would suggest to you that God hardening Pharaoh's heart is simply God allowing Pharaoh to be what Pharaoh already wanted to be. As I said in the Sunday school class once, God let Pharaoh be the Pharaohest Pharaoh he could be. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. But God, by allowing Pharaoh to keep that up, without stopping him, without preventing him, without holding him back. God tells us he hardened Pharaoh's heart. God, you need to get this. God did not make Pharaoh do anything Pharaoh did not already want to do. But God did not slow him down. God Harden Pharaoh's heart by solidifying what Pharaoh's heart already was. Does that make sense? In our world today, do you realize that mankind is not as evil as we could be? Now look around outside and hear me when I say, we're not as wicked as we could be. God is still restraining the wickedness of mankind as an act of God's common grace. But if God ever lifts that restraint and lets us be as bad as we want to be, we harden our hearts as God lets us go, hardening our hearts. In John, God is in control And the unbelieving Jews around Jesus, they are responsible for their own actions. Both is true. God is in control. Man is responsible. That's how it always works. And there's a point of application for ourselves here. Guard against a hard heart. Pray, pray that you would have a soft heart. Have a heart eager to have faith in Jesus. Do not harden your heart, lest you find yourself under the judgment, the wrath, the hardening of God. Let me give you two more texts one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament to bring the principle out for us. Psalm 95, the end of verse 7 and following reads this. I guess I should have said, reads thus. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Today, listen to the command. Do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As at Meribah, as in the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work for 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart And they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Listen to the Old Testament command. If you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. That shows you that God will never harden the heart of somebody who wants God and wants to follow God. There is no text in all of scripture that indicates that God would push away from himself somebody who genuinely wants to follow God. That ain't reformed theology, just so you know. But there's a warning. If you hear God's word today, if you hear God's word right now, make sure that you don't harden your heart. Or you risk falling under the judgment of God clearly God gives you the opportunity to obey his voice. He commands you to do so. And listen to Romans 1, 21 to 24. This is the one that most of you think of when we talk about God hardening the heart in the New Testament. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of God, the glory of the immortal God, for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, listen to these words, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Do you hear the warning against darkened hardened hearts those who turn away from the revealed knowledge of God those who prefer to live for themselves instead of submitting to God have their hearts hardened how do they have their hearts hardened the Bible says it clearly that God gives them up or gives them over to the sin that their hearts desire and folks The last thing you want to have happen in your life is for God to let you go and to let you love your sin and for you to let your heart be hard. So, what do you need to do? Today, you are hearing the word of God. Today, you are reminded of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Today, God commands you believe in Jesus. Today, ask God, God, please give me a soft heart that I might hear your word, that I might recognize Jesus for who he is, that I might follow Jesus. Pray, dear friends, for a soft heart. And for Christians, you who know Jesus, I want you to find comfort in this fact. God will never let go of one of his own. God will never give a believer over to his or or her own sinful desires forever. Instead, God gave us the Holy Spirit. God gave us a sure promise that God will bring to completion the great work he began in us through Christ Jesus. So yes, hear the word of God. Yes, obey the word of God, but obey from love under grace, resting in Christ. Guard against a hard heart. Point number two. Guard against having a divided heart. Look at 42 and 43. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Didn't that make you shiver a little bit just to hear that? John said, though Jesus did his miracles before the Jews, they did not believe. But then he qualifies it for us here. Some believed, but they did not believe in a true and saving way. Some believed that Jesus was powerful, special, unique. Maybe he is the Messiah. But they did not believe in such a way that they were willing to follow him. This is not the first time we've seen that type of belief in John's gospel. Right back in John chapter 2, Jesus was doing amazing things in Jerusalem. His very first Passover, people believed. They believed in his power. They believed in his wow factor. But they did not believe so as to follow Jesus. In John 2, 23 to 25, the word of God says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them. That word entrust is the same word for believe. They believed in Jesus. Jesus didn't believe in them. Why? Why? Because he knew all people, and he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. A while ago, we talked about what it really means to believe in Jesus so as to be saved, and I gave you three words. They all began with the letter A to help you understand it. What does belief entail? It entails assent, affections, and actions. Does anybody remember those three words? I'm so glad. When you have saving faith, you start by assenting to the facts about Jesus. You've got to believe the simple truth of his claims. But saving faith also includes affections. As your faith in Jesus and your belief about your sin and your need of a savior comes up, it hits you in the fields. Nobody is saved who doesn't like Jesus. Nobody is saved who doesn't want God. Your emotions are changed in saving faith. And saving faith leads to action. We change, we repent, we turn from one type of life to another. Nobody is saved and lives exactly the same way as they lived before. Now, the action is not the faith. But all faith leads to action. Ascent, affection, action. In our passage for today, we see that some of the Jewish leaders have some of the aspects of belief. But they're not changed. They have some ascent. But they're not willing to follow Jesus. Like the parable of the soils, they were like the plants that sprang up in the thorny or the rocky soils... They might have looked alive for a minute, but the desire for ease in their lives, the desire for hunger, or their hunger for wealth and for power, it keeps them from letting go of themselves and surrendering to Jesus. Why didn't they follow Jesus? John says in verse 43 that the Jews who recognized something special in Jesus refused to follow him because they were afraid that they might lose their status. They believed Jesus was special, but not special enough to risk personal loss. That's a pretty hard evaluation of the false faith of some people who think they believe in Jesus. And I would say to you that that evaluation is an evaluation that could be given to many people in many churches today. Because there are many people that walk into the doors of church buildings and they hang around the Christian community and they like the benefits they receive. You know why? True Christians are actually pretty good to be around. Have you guys noticed this? Do you like hanging out with actual Christians, people who really love Jesus and who are kind and gracious and all the rest? Yeah, yeah. True believers are loving, supportive, giving, kind. And some folks will show up and want that stuff. They want those benefits from the church. But they don't have the kind of faith in Jesus that changes their lives. Some folks think showing up at church just makes them feel better about themselves like I checked the good box off so I did my good deed for today. But that's not belief in Jesus. There are many people in the churches of this country who believe that Jesus is somebody special but they're not going to allow Jesus to hold them back from the things they want to do, from the jobs they want to get, from the experiences they want to have. If the first group that just ignored Jesus and rejected him had hard hearts, we might call this group a group of people with divided hearts. They can't land on whether or not they really want to follow God. And here's the point for us. Guard against having a divided heart. Instead, have an unashamed faith. If you're going to be a true follower of Jesus, you've got to learn to value the glory that God allows you to experience in Him to far outweigh the glory you could receive from other people. True faith in Jesus always, always leads to a changed life. A life that is obedient to God. And no one who has true faith in Jesus will hide that from the world. Jesus said, The one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Luke 12, 9. So ask yourself this question. Is my faith real? Do you have a faith that you're willing to share with other people? Do you believe in Jesus so much that you will let that belief in Jesus change your very life? Or... Do you hide your faith when it could hurt your cause? Which do you value more? God's glory or the glory you think you get from people? Learn to have an unashamed faith. An undivided heart. Third point. Believe in Jesus with a soft heart. Believe in Jesus with a soft heart. Look at 44 to 50. Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I've come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my word and does not keep them, I do not judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I've spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken out of my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So John just exposed the false faith of some people in Jesus. Now we get a little summary collection of Jesus' teachings. Now, I told you back in 36, John said Jesus withdrew himself from the crowd. So this section, this is a compilation of stuff Jesus has already been teaching. I think you could picture this as a voiceover of From Jesus, as this scene on the movie fades out. You ever seen one of those moments, right? right, The camera starts pulling back and the narrator starts talking to you. Or you hear the voice of the main character. That's, That's the way to see this. Nearly everything Jesus says here has been said already, often more than once. Verse 44, Jesus says, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Here he's telling us that faith in him is equal to faith in the one who sent him to earth. We know Jesus has told us he's sent to earth by God. So Jesus is telling us that faith in Jesus is equal to faith in God. You cannot believe in God without believing in Jesus. Anybody who wants to have faith in God has to come to God through faith in Jesus. Nobody who refuses Jesus has anything to do with God. Verse 45, Jesus says, whoever sees me sees him who sent me. So now shows you how equal he is with God. If you see Jesus, you see God. That, dear friends, is Jesus claiming to be God. How's that different than what he said in the last verse? Verse 44, he said, you come to God through faith in Jesus. Now he says that if you see Jesus, you see God. How can he say it? Jesus says he believes himself to be equal with God. He believes himself to be God himself. And if you want to have faith in Jesus, you've got to realize Jesus is truly God, no less. And then Jesus draws a significant contrast in verse 46, saying, I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Jesus brings back to mind the light and dark motif of John's gospel. It's a contrast. We see it several times over the first 12 chapters. Light symbolizes knowledge and life and safety and good and darkness symbolizes confusion and evil and sin and death and destruction. If you want to be right with God, you need light. And the only way to have light is by believing in Jesus because Jesus came to bring light. Or as he says in chapter 8 verse 12, Jesus is the light of the world. Through the first 12 chapters, we've also seen contrasting scenes of judgment and salvation in the mission of Jesus. And we see them again in verses 47 and 48. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, Jesus says, I don't judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I've spoken will judge him on the last day. Man, you can bring thoughts from chapter 3, chapter 5, chapter 8, all into this. Jesus did not come immediately to bring the wrath of God upon people. He came to bring salvation. We're saved when we believe in Jesus. And our salvation is proved to be true when we obey his commands. When we obey his words. But if you refuse to obey the words of Jesus, if you refuse to believe in the Lord Jesus, the very word you did not obey will prove your guilt before God. Jesus did not come to be harsh with us. But when you stand before God, when I stand before God, when we stand before God, the word of Jesus will have one of two possible effects on you. Either the word of Jesus will prove your salvation Because we've had faith in Jesus. Or the words of Jesus will prove your damnation as you stand guilty of rejecting the Son of God. And then the final theme John summarizes for us is the unity between God the Father and Jesus God the Son. Verses 49 and 50, Jesus says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. John wraps up the section here and he says, Jesus always acted in perfect concert with the words and commands of God the Father. Jesus commanded only what God the Father commanded, thus to obey Jesus and to believe in Jesus is to obey and believe in God and to disobey and to refuse to follow Jesus is to disobey and to reject God himself. Now let's roll this all up into a ball. There are those who have hardened hearts, These people have heard what we just heard and they just flat refuse to believe in Jesus. They are under the wrath of God. There's an escape. It's through Jesus. But until they come to Jesus, they are under the wrath of God. And those people are in danger of eternal hell, of eternal destruction. And there are those who have divided hearts. They think Jesus is somebody special, but they just don't really want to follow him anywhere that might be painful. Those people don't have faith in Jesus either. They are not genuinely saved. But there are those who have faith in Jesus. To look upon Jesus... And see Jesus as God who came to earth to bring us salvation. That's life. To put your faith in Jesus. Acknowledging that Jesus is the only hope for your soul for eternity. To be okay with God. That is to be right with God. To follow Jesus is to follow God. So which group are you in today? Are you hard-hearted? Is your heart divided? Do you deny Jesus by your actions and by your life? Or is your whole trust for your forever in Jesus and Jesus alone? I urge you. Believe in Jesus that you might please God. Believe in Jesus that you might be right with God. Believe in Jesus with a soft, God-loving heart. Believe in Jesus and find life. John told us why he wrote these words for us. He chose these moments to share with a purpose. He wants you to believe. In John 20, verses 30 and 31, I'll close with this. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Pray with me, friends. Lord, help us believe. Help us, Lord, to genuinely, soft-heartedly believe. Friends, as you pray right now, I want to invite you to ask the Lord to help you to see true evidence of the state of your heart. God, do I trust Jesus? Do I believe? God, I yield my heart to you. God, help me believe. Pray things like that, friends. And maybe your prayer is, God, I know I believe. Help me live it out. Friends, examine and plead with the Lord. Give me a soft heart, a believing heart, a life changing heart. Lord God, we plead with you take our lives, take our very lives, and shift the focus away from whatever would distract. And grant us hearts of true faith, true repentance, true life. Help us not to doubt for anyone who's saved. Help them never doubt their salvation. But instead, help us to rest in the finished work of Christ and the promise to bringing it to completion. But if anyone here doesn't know you, let them feel it that they might believe the facts about Jesus, long for Jesus, long for grace, and be changed. Lord, as we continue in this service of worship, we will sing and we will remember the body and the blood of Jesus. These elements that we will share will not be things that will save us, but the Savior they represent is our only hope. Help us be people with hearts for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.